is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 515, recorded on Tuesday, March the 2nd, 2021. Welcome to the program, everyone out there. Welcome to the show, Jason. How are you doing this week? Thank you, thank you. Uh, Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. When is the Ides of March? Beware the Ides of March. That's like the 25th or something, right? Well, it's March now, so uh, I don't know. All right, well, beware the Ides of March, everybody. Whenever they may be. So, here we are. We're back at it. We finished up our coverage of The Stand last week, which was really fun. I still recommend people go watch that. I haven't been able to talk my wife into doing it yet, but still working on that. Uh, But that's all behind us now, and in front of us is more Walking Dead, because The Walking Dead has returned. And I feel, Jason, like this is the unofficial beginning of the end for the show. You think so? I say unofficial because we're still technically in season 10. We're wrapping that up and we still have season 11 to go through. So the official beginning of the end will be episode one of season 11. This is the unofficial beginning of the end, which is episode 17 of season 10. So is this, I don't want to say jump the shark, but I'm, I just did. Is this the jump the shark moment where it just it starts declining? Or do you think that the from a story perspective that this is the beginning of the end of the story? Well, I just mean from a sort of an intangible perspective, it's the beginning of the end. They've announced the finish and now we're working towards that. From a story perspective, it might be as well, although I'm not sure about that after watching this episode. I just feel like it's just in general. It's the beginning of the end for The Walking Dead because we're, we're winding down towards the finale, the big finale sometime a year from now or whenever it okay. ends up being. All right. But now, so of course, we are here to talk about season 10, episode 17, but there is one item of Walking Dead news I just want to jump into really quickly here because I think it's, it's a interesting and surprising bit of news that came out in the last couple of days. The official Walking Dead Twitter account sent out the following tweet, Jason. Mm -hmm. The text of the tweet was this, a new world order. The final season of The Walking Dead begins summer 2021. What? Yeah, that's right. Summer 2021. So season 11 officially announced, no date, but officially announced for the summertime, not next fall. They included a 10 second like teaser clip as well with this tweet. It shows no people, no actual characters. It shows what looks like a, like a police interrogation room with, you know, one way glass on Mm -hmm. one wall and some cameras set up and the shot just kind of zooms into it a little bit and that's it. 10 seconds. So a really mysterious clip. Um, But if we are going to, you know, expand the world and there's, there's bigger communities or whatever, like, you know, for example, the Civic Republic or some other ones, maybe they have facilities like this, but I don't know anything about that clip. I'd sort of, you got to wait to find out. But the exciting part is summer 2021. That is exciting. Not October. Weird. Anyway, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel good. So... I suppose it, like it's sooner than, it's than we bad expect. News. No, it's, it's not bad news at all. It's just a little bit surprising. So it seems like what we're going to have is six weeks of walking dead for wrapping up, uh, season 10. We've got fear coming back. We've got world beyond coming back. And I thought they were going to ride those through for a while, maybe have little breaks in between, but it really doesn't seem like it because I mean, it's March. Summer's not that far away. I can tell because the days are getting longer outside. They sure are. Now, summer lasts until end of September, right? Technically, yes. Yeah. So are they being technical and they're they're saying not the fall because we're not going to do it in October, but the summer because we're doing it in September? <laughs> Maybe. I guess September would only be about a month early and that's fine. Uh, but I, I honestly think of some summer wrapping up at the end of August, you know, of course kids here go back to school 
early September. I know that's different in different parts of North America and different parts of the world, but I think of summer as finishing at Labor Day. And so I would think that Walking Dead is coming back before Labor Day or maybe Labor Day at the latest for season 11. All right. Well, I'm going to predict August. Uh, I don't even know what, uh, anyway, August 23rd. Is that a Sunday? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. July, August. Now I did have- No, 22nd is a Sunday. All I'm right. going to go with the 22nd because that's Jasper's birthday and it's right in the middle of the, yeah, I'm going to go with the 22nd. All right. Well, that's, that's a good guess. I did have one other, th- one other thought. Maybe they mean summer in Australia. So you know how their seasons are reversed? So their summer would be like, you know, <laughs> the middle of winter for us. So maybe The Walking Dead isn't coming back until, you know, next January. And, but it's going to be summer in Australia. Did Robert Kirkman write this? <laughs> I don't believe so, but you never <laughs> know. Yeah, no, that, that would be incredibly shitty. Yeah, that would be the <laughs> worst case scenario, but you know. Who knows what will happen? Anyways, we got to assume summer in North America or in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, the hemisphere. show is North American, right? Not, yeah. It's not an Australian-based show. If it was an Australian-based show, we'd probably start, you know, checking the international dateline and the season reversal stuff all the time. Sure, yeah. But the show is meant, made in North America. It's its characters are in North America. Uh, I assume that they mean summer in North America. All I ask Walking Dead is just be specific. You know, the Walking Dead begins yeah. summer 2021 in the Northern Hemisphere. How hard is that? Give us a time zone, you know, <laughs> you know just it's summer 2021 Eastern Standard Time, even though that could, that doesn't really have anything to do because that thing runs the whole length of the planet, right? It does. Yeah. So yeah, we could still have summer in the, in the winter and still be in Eastern. Right. So it's all very confusing. And latitude and longitude. Is that so wrong? Is that, that's so hard? <laughs> Just give us some lat long and we'll be all set. Thank there, you. Thank you very much. That's not so hard. All right. Well, that's exciting. We'll see what happens uh, then, but we have six episodes of The Walking Dead to power through over the next six weeks. And the first one is episode number 17. It's called Home Sweet Home. We don't have a listener title read for this, but I, to be fair, did not put the call out to remind people to do it. But one of the things, if you're a new listener or if you've been listening for a while and forgot, is that we love to have our listeners read the title of the episode. So mm-hmm. going forward, if you want, just get the title, record it, and uh, fire it into us. And I'll play them on the show before we do our recaps. It's fun stuff. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, speaking of the recap, let's get started. Uh, This episode opens, Mr. Miles, with Maggie. She's in the forest, and she throws a knife to pin a walker against a branch. And right off the bat here, I have Derek on the internet writes in, holy crap, did you see the first walker Maggie pins to the tree is actually a dead whisperer? Never thought I'd see a walker wearing a walker mask. Also, it was cool to see a fresh walker for once. It was a quick scene. But a nice callback. Nice. I didn't notice that. It's funny. Neither did I the first time I watched it. And when I went back to check, it indeed does. Like, it's a quick shot, so it's easy to miss. But it does indeed seem to be a whisperer, like a dead zombified whisperer. So it's a walker wearing a walker mask. Cool. And just to double confirm, I went to the Walking Dead wiki and they referred to it that way as well. So confirmed. Nice. There you go. So now machine, machine, Michonne, not Michonne, (laughs) Maggie is with (laughs) Judith in the forest and they're kind of talking about Michonne. That was tough to get out. Uh, And, you know, Maggie wants to know what Judith told RJ about Michonne disappearing. And she kind of said that, uh, you know, mom is out there looking up at the same night sky as you are. You know, she's out there somewhere. She's still in the world, which was a nice little anecdote. It's a nice thought. You no, know, we're all looking at the same sky. We, it's not like we each individually have a moon that we can look at. No, unless you're in we, the Southern hemisphere, you're looking at different sky then. Well, yeah, but it's still the same moon. True. Right. And it's still, it's still the same sky. The sky is pretty much everywhere. That's not this planet uh, essentially. So that's, that's a big place. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little story. They it come, is. they come out to a road and uh, a few of the others are out there packing up a cart. Of course, Negan is one of them. He's helping out. Maggie comes face to face with Negan. He says, hey, Maggie, and tells her that he didn't escape. 
but she says nothing and just walks right past him. I'm telling you, if I ran across somebody that killed my husband, I'd kill him on the spot. Right then and I there, I don't think right? I would, uh, I don't think I'd give him a dirty look and then walk away in anger. I think, uh, she had, you know, she had knives, she had a bow and arrow. I'm sure she had some other weapons. She could have taken them out right then and there. I, I think the thought crossed her mind. I think she's been thinking about it. It has been six years though. You know, there's been some time to heal, to move on, to get over it. Still. I know. I don't know. He had the plot device shield. I understand that. But I'm just talking, you know, if it were me, he wouldn't have survived the encounter. Yeah. Or more likely, I wouldn't have survived the encounter. (laughs) But there would be an encounter, uh, not that I would survive long enough to have an encounter, but we've covered that before. If I was in this situation, there'd be some kind of comeuppance. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we might not be done with this storyline, but for now she just glares at him, walks past and we go to the opening credits. When we come back, we're with, uh, Daryl and Carol in the forest. Maggie comes up to them and introduces her friends, Elijah and Cole. Elijah is the guy with the mask. That's a, I want to talk about that mask for a second. Sure. That's a fucking cool mask. It's right? pretty neat. Yeah. I, like, I, is there anything about it that, that kind of tells you anything or indicates what it means or where it's from, or is it just a cool mask? It's a really cool mask. It kind of looks like a hockey goalie mask with metal bands on it. Like they've been, metal bands have been, you know, riveted onto it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I think this is probably, I'm not a mask guy. <laughs> Uh, you know, not, not that we're all not mask guys now, but, uh, in general, this is probably the, f- my favoriteest mask I've seen in a decade. It's a, I love it, this mask. It's a cool mask and it looks good with the hood, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's like an old style hockey goalie mask. In, oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like when, when did they have those? That was the eighties, right? Seventies and eighties. They had that kind of hockey mask. Um, eighties would be the latest, I think seventies, sixties, you know, stuff, seventies really. Yeah. The sixties, they didn't wear masks. No, the first, first goalie probably put a mask on in the sixties, but before that they didn't even wear them. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with those guys. I, I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know what's wrong with hockey goalies, uh, in general. Yep. Like somebody throws something at me, you know, a Vulcan, a piece of vulcanized rubber disc, right? Throws that at me at a hundred miles an hour. What's my instinct? Get out of the way, right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas the goalies have to train themselves to get in the way. Yep. And they did that without a mask. It's back in the sixties. Those it, are hardcore metal fuckers. It is crazy to think they did that. Uh, you're right. I mean, these days, obviously they wear, and they did then they wear all kinds of other padding, of course, but without a mask, you just, so many guys got just their bell rung, you know, with a puck in the head. And at the time, some of them probably went to the bench, slapped some cold water on their face and went back out into the game. Had a shot. Yeah, (laughs) probably. Smoked a cigarette and (laughs) got back in the game. That's true. Coach, I need the whiskey quick. (laughs) (laughs) Stat. Yeah. Oh, man. They're nuts. Anyways, Elijah wears a cool mask and uh, he's just kind of a badass. He seems to be pretty good at his job, which is killing zombies and protecting people. Yeah, he's a, he's one of the G.I. Joe guys. Pretty much, yeah. You know which ones I'm talking about. I'm not sure whether it's the white one or the black one. The the ninjas? The outfits. The ninjas, the white ninja or the black ninja? Yeah. What Storm, were their names? Snake Sto- Eyes and- Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're very cool. Okay, so Maggie introduces them. She reveals that um, they were living with them until recently, but they lost a village. And Maggie suggests they go to Hilltop but she has no idea it's gone. She wants to move back in. So they take them there. Everything is burnt down. There's a giant pile of bodies in front of it. It's no longer a place they can live. It's a biohazard. It's, it's, a, it's a place to avoid so that you don't get very, very ill. It doesn't seem like a nice place to be. No, that's for sure. Carol reveals to her that she let Negan out in order to kill Alpha And he was with them when they attacked Hilltop. But Carol claims that Negan is the reason that they didn't completely lose everything. 
and, right. you know, succumb to the uh, overwhelming nature of the whisperers. So Maggie's obviously upset, but she thanks Carol for telling her. And then they leave, Daryl leaves with her to, and her crew to go get Herschel, who is her son, who's mm-hmm. been hiding out with the rest of her people. How old is Herschel now? Like timeline, I, this kind of confused me a little bit. I'm like, okay, they're going to get Herschel. He's out there. Uh, he's what? Six? He's going to be about six. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. He's for- about six uh, because she was pregnant when she left, right? And yep. he would have been born soon after that. So yeah, and, and it's been over six years. Um, but he's with some other people. Like he's not alone, right? He's supposed well, yeah. to be with the rest of her people. Right. So I was saying Kelly catches up to Daryl as they're going in the woods and wants to come with them. So now it's Maggie, Daryl, Kelly, and Cole and Elijah on the road. So we get a quick traveling montage here as they're going, which was fun. I love a good traveling montage. Well, you know. I do. Yeah. We had one in the uh, stand and now we have a, not quite as, as a big extensive one here, but they travel, they montage as they travel. <laughs> and at one point it looks like Elijah tries to give Maggie a piece of paper, but she declines. And then Cole says that there's shelter about 10 miles to the east, but she responds that it's too far out of the way. But the guys are worried that it's getting dark and she just wants to push through. So I think, I think I, I, Elijah was just trying to communicate the same message, maybe give her a map or something like that. But I thought at first maybe there was more to it, but I don't think that's the case. They're just trying to Mm -hmm. say like, look, we got to stop. We'll get there tomorrow. Let's not risk it. Yep. In any case, they come to some kind of storage facility or some location that has a whole bunch of storage containers. Uh, they're all, the whole place is filled with zombies, but they decide to clear it out to spend the night. Things are going pretty well until they're trying to like smash closed one of the storage containers that's full of zombies. And Maggie ends up cutting her arm badly with her own knife. It looks like. (laughs) Yep. So, uh, it takes three of them to push the door closed, but they do. And we get a pretty good zombie head crushing in the process as the door shuts with his head in between it. Very soft heads. Very, very soft heads. Uh, now Kelly is there of course, and she is shooting zombies with her slingshot and Josh on the internet writes, holy crap. Mastery of the slingshot is the best weapon in the zombie apocalypse. If you use rocks, talk about never running out of ammo. You could use rocks. You could use uh, metal ball bearings. If you have them, those would be the best. Because they would fly true, right? Yeah, and but then you gotta walk. Dense. You gotta walk around with a bag full of metal ball bearings. I mean, rocks are a plenty all over the ground. Yeah, I think the, just the right rock might be hard to find. You might be spending a lot of time scrounging for rocks, but I could, I could see that. Yeah, it's like finding the right rock to skip on a lake. They don't all work very well. Yeah. All right. Commercial break, and when we come back, now it's nighttime. Maggie's treating her arm in one of the containers. Daryl comes into chat. And they have a a long conversation about what she's been doing, where she's been. Uh, They talk about how, you know, Daryl mentions that she stopped sending letters after a while. Because if you recall, we were getting mail between the two Mm -hmm. communities. Maggie explains that Georgie, remember her? She's who Maggie originally left with. Um, Georgie had some good ideas and they were helping people. Although she says everything eventually always goes sideways. At one point, Georgie goes out west because she heard about a big community there while she was gone. Maggie and the rest of her people were forced to abandon their place and they never saw Georgie again. So they just kind of lost touch and that's it. Bummer. It kind of is. Yeah. I'm wondering. What happens? You know, six years is a long time. You know, you lose touch with people. Absolutely. It it absolutely does. I'm wondering if we'll ever see Georgie on the show again or just written off. Written off. Think Why would they have this if she wasn't written off? I, I think you're probably right. Unless we end up in one of these bigger communities, bigger, you know, groups of people. And Georgie happens to be there. I, I don't see the point of that really, but it could happen. Yeah. If we do, Georgie's going to be a, you know, a, a baker or, you know, a candlestick maker or something. Yeah, or rec- record sure. collector. Remember she was getting records. 
<laughs> yeah, she could be a, you know, she could be running a radio station. There you go. A vintage vinyl shop. <laughs> in, right. In the apocalypse. Um, ultimately, though, Maggie doesn't really want to talk too much about what actually happened. But she does tell Daryl about going to a place by the ocean that she says I think her grandmother used to have. And she had talked about going there with Glenn, but they never did. So she took Herschel instead. She said there were hardly any walkers. It was pretty peaceful and safe. And eventually Herschel asked about how his dad died. And she said that he, that a bad man killed him, but he wanted to know if the bad man got what he deserved, which is a difficult question, of course, for, Mm -hmm. for Maggie. And she says they met another community of people, but it, and it felt really good at first, but that fell apart as well. And, uh, they ended up then out on the road again, coming back here. Um, and of course, Daryl says that you can still come home. He refers to it as home. You can still stay here at home. And he says, things aren't decided with Negan yet. Um, he starts to talk about Carol a little bit, but Maggie cuts him off and seems to understand that she did what she thought she had to, to like keep them safe. But what I took from all of this is just, you know, it was a quick sort of recap of where she's been for six years. And also that, um, you know, I, I, it wasn't lost on me that Daryl kept saying, you can come home. It's like, you, yeah. regardless of where you've been, this is where you belong. You know, when we get, uh, backstories in this, a lot of, a lot of times, uh, in television and movies, it can be ham fisted. Mm-hmm. This seemed really well done. It was well paced. It was put in a good spot and moved the plot forward. Right. That's the important thing is that we had forward movement with that. You can come home again. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, uh, we're moving the story forward. We're getting background information on where Maggie's been for a long time. We're getting, uh, you know, sentimental moments. Uh, it was, uh, I thought this scene was really well done and I, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was good. I mean, you don't want to dwell too long on what a character that we haven't seen in six years has been doing. And, and if it is important, then they have to show us why it's important to, you know, through other ways than just, a a conversation like this. So if this is it, I agree with you. It was a nice scene. It, it set the, it sort of just recapped the past really quickly in a way that was good for us viewers, good for the characters and, and we can move on. And it's set up why she would want to come home, right? She's mm-hmm. been wandering around for years looking for somewhere else to call home and she hasn't found it. She tried this, that didn't work. She tried that, it didn't work. And now she's trying something else and Daryl's, you know, welcoming her back with open arms. And you know, it does say something about, about our group too, right? They've had their fair share of hardships. They've lost places, you know, they've had to move around, but the core group in a way is, is still together, right? The, some of the people from the beginning are still, uh, together. Whereas Maggie goes out there and it seems like the communities with completely, uh, fell apart and, and she had to flee and it ended up just being her. I mean, I guess there were a few more people she was with, uh, as she got here, you know, they're not with us now, but, um, our group, even though they've had to move around a a little bit, has a bit of staying power. So it's maybe the right gang to stay with. Uh, yeah. Anyways, good conversation. We cut to the next morning and, uh, they're coming out of their storage containers, but a zombie appears sort of out of nowhere. They thought they cleared them all out and they realized that Kelly, who was supposed to be on watch was not on watch. We find out she is somewhere else nearby investigating an old truck that has some signs of someone, I don't know, either living in it or on it, on top of it. Yeah. And Maggie's at first kind of angry with her because she left her post, but Daryl steps in and says that she's looking for her sister, Connie. Because if you recall, Connie is missing to the group, even though we saw Connie, remember, at the end of last episode. And when Daryl reveals this, it kind of changes Maggie's mood a bit. And she reveals that Elijah lost his sister too. And of course, Maggie way back in the day lost Beth, her own sister. Yep. A lot of sister death here. There is. Or, or missing, missing sisters, I should say. Yeah. Just, you know, shit happens to sisters. That's right. So they continue on their way 
And Daryl is chatting with Maggie. He says he went looking for Connie many times, which, uh, did we see? Not really. I mean, I guess he, he may have talked about it a bit, but there wasn't a lot of time spent on him looking for Connie, but I'm not surprised. He's the kind of guy that would do that. We do know he went looking for Rick for gears too. Yep. Right. He doesn't like to let these things go. Uh, He's a tracker. He tracks things. He remember when he came back with that bandolier of squirrels? Oh. This is what he does. Like from the very outset, he tracks and finds things. Yep. 10 years ago with his bandolier of squirrels. And then he started collecting ears, but that's a whole other thing. We'll just let that go. Yeah. Go a little nuts in the the apocalypse. Just pretend that didn't happen. Um, As they're going, the gang, they spot a column of smoke in the near distance. So after a commercial break, they run up to this fully burnt out building, completely destroyed. This is where Maggie's friends were hiding. They find two burnt bodies, but nobody else. So two of her people were burned to death. Man, it's like Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru again. All over again. I know. I can't believe somebody didn't say that. But what Cole does say is that the Reapers followed them and these are the people who attacked their home. So uh, we are now basically on a mission to find the rest of Maggie's people and her son who have fled into the woods. So they begin tracking them into the forest. But the Reapers, Jason, who the hell are the Reapers? And do we need... My first thought, I... I'm sad to admit is, do we need another mysterious group of villains, the Reapers? What are they going to do with this? Well, if they, well, I assume they're not in the comic or you would not be asking this question Uh, or is it rhetorical? No, they're not in the comic. No, they're not. All right. Well, reaping is, you know, you reap what you sow. So uh, if their name holds true, they have something to do with, uh, you know, gathering up something that they've planted in the past, right? They've, uh, some kind of, they planted a seed, they watched it grow and now they're, they're reaping. I don't know what that means, but you know, that's, if they're called the reapers, I assume there's a reason for it. I guess. Uh, I mean, do you remember when we had the claimers and then, and then Rick bit his ear off? Yep. It just, I you think it's just trying to just a cool name. I don't know. I feel like maybe it just is a cool name. I feel like for all we know, it could be that kind of thing again, where it's just a small group of a-holes who are, you know, out for (laughs) nobody's good but their own. See, if I was running a group of uh, evil people, I would call them uh, the bunch of a-holes. Yeah. I think I probably would. That's a a good name. Pretty good name. Yeah. Or the revengeators. What one of the, one of those two? <laughs> I like a bunch of a holes better. <laughs> uh, so I don't know though. The Reapers. I'm. I feel like we have stuff going on. Like we have the stormtroopers. Remember to deal with. We have yep. the CRM happening in other shows, and I don't know if that's going to cross over, but I feel like it is. And now we have the Reapers too. So maybe the Reapers are going to go. Uh, well, remember when what's his name showed up with the Highwaymen, and you think, oh look, another group, and then. They were only antagonists for like one episode and then they joined them. So I guess there's all kinds of options here, but I'm thinking, okay, another group. I guess we're going to have to deal with these guys now. Yeah, I guess so. Any case, they are tracking them through the forest. They come across a walker, which Maggie kills uh, off camera though, which I thought was weird. Any case, kills that. Um, And they come to a point where the trail splits So they debate it for a second, but decide that Daryl and Maggie will go one way and Kelly, Cole, and Elijah will go the other way. Never split the party. I know. I know. And someone even said that, but they decided to do it anyway. Yeah. So first we go with Kelly and the two guys. They're going along and they seem to detect something. So they're sneaking around. Uh, And by detect something, I mean, you know, detect something in the forest, although we don't see anything. Elijah seems to have a moment. He freezes or is afraid. And he Kelly asks him to take the mask off, which he does. And she comforts him by saying he's not alone, which seems to make him feel better. And, and they move on. So it was just a little, I think a little character moment there, I think to get us to uh, appreciate Elijah as a, as a person and not just a killing machine. Well, I hope this means something. 
mm-hmm. right? I, I don't think, I'm hoping that it's not just a moment of hesitation and it never comes back. I'm hoping that there, uh, there is some kind of deep-seated fear related to this situation that caused this and not just a, oh my goodness, I'm afraid. Because he's never been afraid before. That we know of. I mean, we, we, ha- we, know we haven't seen him for very long, right? But you're right. I just hope it wasn't an excuse to show his face. Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm, I was a little surprised at how quickly the mask came off because, you know, shows love to drag things out like that, but I'm not against it at all. Uh, but you're right. It, it should mean something. He should be, you know, some sort of, uh, broken character in a way that has some issues because those are the most interesting ones. But then again, you know, why the mask? Right. Like why does, why does Elijah need a mask? Is it, is it comfort because he's afraid all the time? Yeah. Could that be it? Like it's, uh, some kind of, uh, I, I just, thought, I don't know why, why the mask we have to, I guess we have to explore that. I mean, the mask is cool. I love the mask. I want the mask in every shot, but I think we need to understand why the mask in this situation. I mean, could it just be protection? No, I don't think so. Okay. Cause you know, there's how many face bites do you get from zombies, right? It's always the arms or the right? neck so, or whatever, the ankle. Yeah. 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 Somewhere, but, uh, never the face. So why protect the face? The only reason for that, the, the main, the best chance of a reason for that in my mind is some kind of deep seated insecurity or fear mm-hmm. uh, that I need something to protect my face because I'm afraid to show it. I agree. That's most likely what it is and probably the more interesting, you know, character thing anyways. So we'll, hopefully they'll reveal that to us going down the road. Yeah. All right. Well, they move on and then we go to Maggie and Daryl. They also seem to detect something in the woods. Uh, now they even split up here, but very quickly Daryl catches up to someone. He grabs her, but it turns out that she is one of Maggie's people named Maya. So hooray, they found one of Maggie's people. And I, I thought it was it was when Daryl grabs her and puts a knife to her throat, right? Which I thought was a bit odd because Maggie said uh when they started out, kill everything that is not one of us. Mm-hmm. Right? So why didn't Daryl kill her? I don't know. But again, plot device shield, that's fine. Uh, but, uh, just the way he said, sorry, when he let her go, Yeah, I just, I thought it would, it was a brilliant line, uh, and just delivered excellently by Norman Reedus. Yeah. It was yeah. great. It's sorry. It, it's pretty funny. It's like, I almost killed you. Sorry. I'll sorry. be more careful next time. <laughs> but with Maya is also Gus and Ainsley. So there's five of them now. So they've found three of Maggie's people, which is great. Uh, Maya explains what happened. Gus says that the Reapers are hunting them in the woods and out of nowhere, he's suddenly shot through the neck. So as soon as they found, uh, these three, Gus is killed. Poor guy. Bummer. After a break, uh, we come back and they're fleeing. They're being shot at Daryl and Maggie hide and sort of are creeping around very carefully we hear a gunshot and then we find Ainsley shot in the stomach. <laughs> so now we've lost two of Maggie's people that we just found. Uh, Daryl thinks it's a trap. He, the, the shooter is trying to draw them out to go to their injured friend. Uh, so he waits, he holds Maggie or tells Maggie to hang back. And then we see Maya run into Ainsley and she's shot too. So all three of these people that, Maggie has been traveling with, living with, you know, we suddenly find, and then she witnesses all three of them just get gunned down in the course of a few minutes. Which is odd because, uh, a sniper in the woods has a lot of obstructions, right? So these are, this is the luckiest sniper alive, or I, I don't even think there is an or it's, it's just incredibly lucky that he's getting good shots like this in this heavily wooded situation. Yeah, you're probably right, but he does. He takes all three of them out. Uh, now on the ground, Maya sort of points in one direction and I thought she was trying to say, you know, the shooters over there, be careful. But Maggie interprets this as her pointing the direction that Herschel is. Right. So, I guess she found Herschel and she's trying to indicate where he is. 
Uh, more gunshots, and then Daryl realizes that there is only one shooter. I think because of the break that has to take place for him to reload. Um, not necessarily. Because, again, because of a wooded situation, it's not just fire, reload, fire, reload, fire, reload, fire. It's not that kind of situation uh, because there's trees everywhere, right? It's fire. Right. Wait for another opportunity uh, for a clear shot to show up again and then fire again. So there's no reason to think that the break between shots means there's a single shooter. I assume, it, again, I assume it's because these the, the shots are all coming from a single location but snipers don't do that, right? They take a couple of shots and then they bug out and go someplace else to get another area. Mm -hmm. They go to someplace else, another another position, because if you stay in one position, they're going to figure out where you are and they're going to come for you. Right. Which is what exactly what they do. Well, yeah. Now, the thing is, I th this sort of is why I thought, though, that Maya was pointing towards him. Like, maybe that was an indicator to Daryl that, that he's over there. That's where the shots are coming from. There's only one... You know, I don't know, but Daryl figures it out somehow. So Maggie decides to go one way to flank around him and she sneaks up on a gun propped up in <laughs> on a log, but there's no person with it. Yep. And we see an eye watching her through the, the bushes in heavy cover or camouflage. Uh -huh. Yep. And then this person jumps out and attacks her. They fight with knives and Maggie ends up with her leg in a trap hanging upside down from a tree. Now, before he can approach her, Daryl gets him with the crossbow, but then rushes at him with a knife. But he kind of like picks up Daryl and throws him to the ground and we go to a commercial break. Yeah, this guy is basically a swamp monster is the way I see him because he's wearing a bit of a ghillie suit. It's not really a ghillie suit, but it's a lot of camouflage, right? Yeah. To try and hide him in the uh, in the bushes. But he's also very big. Mm -hmm. He's a very big guy. And, you know, I, okay, so confession, I've been watching a lot of Scooby-Doo lately, right? And so this guy reminds me of a swamp monster from Scooby-Doo. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, okay. It's a swamp monster from Scooby-Doo. Of course it is. <laughs> Run and get a Scooby snack. And take his, uh, pull his mask off and see who it really is. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, uh, there's very few knife fights in Scooby-Doo. Right. They could probably use with one or two more now and then. I bet you Fred could use them. be pretty good with a knife. He's the one who probably set the trap. Fred's, Fred's great at trap making. He, you know, he subscribes to, you know, Trap Monthly. Oh, there you is, go. It's, I... I would like to subscribe to this newsletter. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. Yeah. It's a really good one. Well, after the break, Daryl is waking up or at least disoriented because, you know, the camera's all blurry and stuff like that. But we see the big bad guy undressing. I mean, that's not the right word, but sort of shedding some of his camouflage gear. And, you know, by this time, Maggie has freed herself. She goes to fight him, but... Kelly this time has grabbed the crossbow and hits him in the chest with a bolt. So now he's not in such good shape. He's not dead, but he's unable to fight back. Maggie starts questioning who he is. You know, what's he doing? She doesn't want to kill him. She wants information from him. The guy doesn't say anything. Then he drops his knife, like a mic drop almost, arm straight out. Yeah. And he says to her, Pope marked you. It took me a long time to get that, and I had to turn the closed captions on to catch it. Everybody did, because he mumbles that line, man. Pope marked you. I couldn't figure it out either, but it's Pope. So we assume Pope is the leader of the Reapers of this group, and he has marked Maggie for some reason to get her. Hmm. That's like a hunter's mark from d and I guess so. That's, that's yeah. all we know, and I'm not even sure I know that, but apparently Pope marked her. The next thing he does is reach into his breast pocket for <laughs> lack of a better term. Yep. He pulls the pin on a grenade that is left under his shirt in his pocket. Maggie realizes what's going on. She screams, get down. They all get down and he explodes in a giant mess of guts and nobody else is harmed in the slightest. So yep. I have three problems with this, but I can explain why nobody was harmed. 
Okay, well, Adam in Texas says, holy crap, did you see the group of the group survive a grenade blast in close quarters by turning and ducking out of the way? So, problem number one. Yeah, okay, so it's a, maybe it wasn't a grenade, maybe it was a, a dust wind generator. It just generated a bunch of dust in a whirlwind of some kind. Wait a minute. So they all had to shield their eyes so they didn't get dust in their eyes and that was it. Is that a real thing? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. So the three problems I have with this grenade. Uh, one is grenades don't keep very long. You don't like find uh, a six or seven year old creative grenades and be able to use them. Uh, they're unstable. Uh, if stored for very long. So, okay. Uh, that's one thing. You, him having a grenade is problematic. Uh, Second of all, unlikely. you don't, yeah. Yeah. You don't keep grenades inside, inside pockets because, uh, if something happens, it's hard to get a grenade out. So mm-hmm. That's why they're always dangling around on people is that you want them not, you want to be able to get rid of them quickly. Mm-hmm. If something goes wrong, you don't want them inside. You don't want to have to dig them out from inside an inside pocket. So having them in there is another thing. And two, if he was, okay, I have more than three problems. He reached into his coat, <laughs> right? He reached into his shirt. Yep. Right. Why would they let him do that? I don't understand. They had a whole bunch of weapons trained on him. Why would they let him reach into his coat? It's like, uh, you know, I'm just going to grab my wallet and you reach in and you grab a gun, right? People are going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't put your, keep your hands where I can see them. Yep. Kind of thing. So they let him do that. Second of all, or fifth of all, he pulled a pin on the grenade <laughs> and they had no idea what happened, right? What was his intention? Was it his intention to warn them? Because then he showed them the pin. Right, which is obviously I've got a grenade in there that I just pulled the pin on. Right. Uh, so his intention was to let them know so that they could dive out of the way. No, I mean that's what happened. But this is an arrogant bad guy move. He wants to be like, "Look what I just did. You're fucked." Right. This is the bad guy saying, "I don't care what's about to happen, but I got you." And that's what that's why bad guys do it constantly. There, it's it's an arrogant. Like, I got you move. Okay. Next problem. Okay. Apparently I have a lot of these. I'm thinking them. I'm thinking of them as I go. Sure. Next problem is that grenades have two pieces to arm. One is the pin is the safety. You pull the pin in order to, uh, in, in order to take the safety off. And then there's the spoon. The spoon has to fly off, which starts the, uh, the ignition process, which explodes the grenade. It's on an inside pocket and he pulled the pin. Did the spoon come off? Is that like the handle looking thing that people yeah. have to release? Yeah. Okay. You have to release and it goes ting. Okay. And then that starts the, uh, that starts the primer, which has a delay before it actually explodes. So you have a chance to throw the fucking thing. Uh, well, you throw it and then as you throw it, the spoon flies off and the grenade is now armed and about to explode. But if you had it on an inside pocket, did the spoon come off? I assume it did, right? It had to. It must have. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. And then it explodes and nothing happens because they got down and, and looked away. So I think you said you can explain why nobody got hurt yet. The dude was blown into a million pieces. What happened? Well, it's, it's throwing yourself on the grenade, right? Uh-huh. You know, when you said we did this in Captain America, uh, the first Avenger or whatever, whatever it was, yep. uh, throw the grenade people. This has actually happened where a grenade has come into a group of people, group of soldiers, and somebody throws themselves on the grenade to take the brunt of the explosion. Mm-hmm. Because it was on an inside pocket, I assume that he took the brunt of the explosion and his awesome armored magical clothing took the rest of it so that they could just look away and not be injured in the slightest. Okay, look, I can buy that for the people standing behind him because there's an entire body between them and the grenade, his body. But Maggie standing right in front of him, not very far away, I gotta think enough shrapnel would fire out and get her, but nothing did. That's the whole thing of a grenade is that it's it's meant to be shrapnel. Yeah. Right? That's, that's its purpose is to shrapnelize people. <laughs> Fill you with little bits of chunky metal. Yes. Yes. Hot, molten hot metal. Like it's not cold when it enters you. It's really super hot. Sure. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, lots of problems with this grenade. Yeah, I, I, I had the same problems. I first thing I thought when it exploded is Jason's not going to like that, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know that's that is what it is. But nobody's injured, um, and the dude is dead. So they've dealt with that problem. Now, they short- all made their saving throws, right? When you have an area effect like that. But then again, saving throws, uh, if you make your save, uh, it means you only take half damage. It's not like you get off scot-free. Sure. Yeah, well, no half well, maybe damage. They all, maybe they all dodged each individual metal shard and they all rolled natural 20s uh, and, you know, successfully didn't get hurt. Well, either way, um, a short time later, Daryl and Maggie find little Herschel sitting in a tree. He's just fine. And Natalie on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that? And by that, I mean me crying watching this episode with how much Herschel looks like Glenn. And man, oh man, was he an adorable looking little kid and (laughs) indeed does kind of look like Glenn. So uh, that's some pretty brilliant um, Glenn Maggie son casting there. I do say that so. hat didn't hurt. Oh, the hat made the look, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Anyways, they uh, they find him. Herschel's good, so we can all be happy about that. He looked uh, awfully happy for someone who just went through a horrific experience. He did, he did, but maybe it wasn't all that bad for him. Like maybe they they hid him up there before anything bad really started to happen. Maybe like Maya, you know, put him well, up there. Well, maybe, but that was after two people died in a fire and then they were mm. running for their lives and then he heard gunshots and an explosion uh, and he was hiding in a tree, probably completely fucking terrified, uh, a six-year-old boy by himself for God knows how long, a uh, few hours anyway, not knowing if uh, anybody is alive that he was with five minutes ago. And then his mom shows up. So yeah, I'm sure he's probably happy about that, but he still looked pretty well adjusted for somebody who went through that experience. Yeah, fair enough. But you also have to remember he's lived his whole life in experiences like this. So maybe he's kind of accustomed to it. Oh, murder, mayhem, death and destruction and the apocalypse is just, you know, that's like school. That's like before lunch for him. Yeah. Daycare. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Anyways, he was adorable. They found him. They're all good. The gang returns to the shipping containers for the night. And this time Maggie is sitting there with Kelly. Elijah brings them some food, then leaves. And Maggie thanks Kelly for helping Elijah. They talk about their sisters, what they mean sort of to each of them, which was a nice scene as well. And Daryl arrives, Kelly leaves. He says it's real quiet, but they'll stay a few days to make sure nobody else is out there. And then they'll take the long way home to make sure nobody follows them back to Alexandria. And Maggie tells him that she's decided to come home to Alexandria. So she's, she's going to stay and awesome. make, make her home there. So cut to them approaching the town gate and we find it mostly destroyed because if you recall, the whisperers were there not too long ago uh, and they destroyed the place, but lots of people are around including Carol and Negan. They're working on rebuilding walls, doing stuff like that. Um, Cole seems unsure about the whole thing because I don't think he was expecting a town that was half destroyed. And he asks, is this home sweet home? The title of the episode. Maggie takes Herschel's hand and says, yeah, it is sort of with a little smile. And then she walks in passing Negan without even looking at him and we're done cut to uh, black. Nice. So there you have it, Jason. Episode 17 of season 10. It was all about Maggie, but not in the way that I thought it was going to be all about Maggie. I really thought we were going to have a Maggie coming to terms with Negan episode, but he was barely in it. He was in the first scene and the last scene. And Clearly there's some problems there, but this episode for me was all about just sort of reintroducing Maggie to the show, reintroducing Lauren Cohan to the show and giving us enough of where she's been. And the, I mean, the central mystery in a way was whether she's going to stay or not. 
Um, and well, it really didn't deal with her relationship with Negan at all, other than I think she's going to, she's decided to put it aside and deal with it later. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I don't think I was expecting a, a coming to terms with Negan episode, but uh, now that you mentioned it, I guess it could have been that, but yeah, that's, that's going to be in the future. It's got to happen. It's, and she's got to come to terms with, uh, the show, it's, I would like the story to go to a place where she can't come to terms with it and she has to kill him, but that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. So she is going to come to terms with it. And I think it's kind of sad that that's gotta happen. It's, I mean, I don't really truly believe that it has to happen. Like, I don't think we're in a situation where at some point, Maggie and Negan just have to be friends. Like they have to respect each other and go on about their lives in this community. I I do think that may be where we end up. And I can imagine scenarios that lead to that. Like, let's say Herschel gets in trouble and Negan saves him. I mean, that might be a, that might be quite the act, a heroic act for him to, for Maggie to change her mind, you know, something like that. Or, you know, maybe Negan does die, but he dies at the, in the act of saving Herschel and he's dead, but there's some sort of reckoning, you know, between him and, and, uh, and Maggie because of his final act or something like that. Like I can see all these things happening. I don't know if any of them are the perfect outcome for me, but we'll have to see where it goes. Uh, I can see him having a relationship with Herschel because he's got a thing for kids yeah. uh, being a teacher or having been a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has relationships with, uh, with lots of kids. So I can see him uh, having that relationship. I can see him saving Herschel. I can see him dying while saving Herschel. But that's not going to happen until like the third last episode of the series. It's going to be a while. I, I agree with that. I don't think it's going to happen during this, you know, six episode extension of this season. Um, so yeah, so I, it, I, it wasn't really what I was expecting. That doesn't mean it was bad, but to be honest, I found this episode not the greatest in, in a way, like there was nothing really wrong with it, but it was a little boring. Is that the word? I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it was boring, boring, but I don't know. Maybe it was the fact that there's no avoiding that this one feels like a season premiere. Because it's been a while since we've had Walking Dead. It's the first new episode in a long time. It's not, though. It's supposed to be just in the middle of a season. And I think if this episode was embedded in a normal run of episodes, week to week, right in the middle of the season, it would have been just fine. It wouldn't have stood out in any way at all. But it felt to me a little like a sort of weaker reintroduction to the show and maybe that's my problem and not the episode's problem but you know what what really happened so they spend all their time hunting through the woods uh and then being hunted by this other guy and that's it we sort of just what else is there to it nothing much they just end up back in alexandria i liked this episode i definitely liked it more than you did okay uh so I thought we had moments of tension when we, the sniper was shooting people in the neck and in the stomach and stuff. Uh, I forgot to mention the sound design during those, those, uh, scenes where there was, uh, I'm not sure whether it stuck out because it was bad, but I kind of enjoyed it once I noticed it. Uh, I, I liked the scene where Maggie was telling her backstory to, uh, to Daryl. uh, in the container. I liked that. Uh, I liked the introduction of Herschel, to uh, to the show, uh, there for me, there's not a lot to dislike about this other than the you know the kerfuffle with the with the grenade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this guy being a giant swamp monster entertained me. Like he took uh, he took a couple of pretty decent shots, and he was still standing. He broke off that crossbow bolt, leaving the piece inside, and he seemed just fine, <laughs> right? Yeah. If he hadn't committed suicide, he would have been able to get out of there. I'm sure of it. He just would have, you know, lumbered through the woods. He would have shot him 16 times or whatever, and he would have disappeared and you never would have saw him again, not knowing if he lived or died. And then he would show up like three episodes later, but he, you know, he blew up with a grenade. He's probably dead. 
uh, you know, I'm not going to completely discount the fact that he might be still alive, but he's probably dead. <laughs> Pretty sure he's dead. Yeah. Pretty sure he's dead. Overall, I thought this was a solid episode. I, I liked it. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, I think I, maybe I just wanted a little more. That's all, you know, maybe just give, give us, give us a little more than just a, just a romp through the forest, uh, to kind of fill time in a way. Um, but I agree with you. Everything you said, um, I appreciate it in this one. You're right about that conversation and, uh, you're, you're right about the introduction of Herschel. Like everything is, is there. Um, so it's maybe more my issue than, than anything else, but I really truly believe that had there been no big break between episodes and this was just fed into the, the, the regular week to week schedule, I bet you, I wouldn't have thought any you know, different of it. I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have occurred to me that like, there's not a lot going on here. So it probably my problem, but overall it was still pretty good, pretty solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we already talked about the Reapers. I wanted to bring them up again. Um, but, uh, really I'm just wondering what the deal is with this group and I'm, kind of not super pumped about a new group that they just have to fight and deal with or, you know, what's going to be unique about this group. I don't know. Uh, and I, who knows when we'll find out, but, uh, maybe they're completely ineffectual, right? Like maybe the Reapers, uh, and the Pope <laughs> have marked Maggie because, uh, she pissed them off at some point and there's only like a half a dozen of them. And this guy's yeah. just a, uh, you know, uh, strange zealot that wanted to go shoot some people if he could. And now it's this opportunity to go shoot some people. Hmm. Uh, you know, maybe this just completely, uh, maybe they're just a bunch of nothing. <laughs> a big bunch of nothing. Well, we'll see. I don't know why well, part of me kind of hopes that's the case, right? They're just, they're just not that much of a threat and they deal with them and move on. And that's it. What I know about the upcoming episodes though, and what, is general knowledge is that they did have to keep these a little smaller, like smaller groups of characters. So there weren't too many people around at the same yeah. time. As we know, all these episodes were shot and produced during the pandemic. So, uh, so that's it. So I'm wondering if we're going to have to worry about these reapers again for a while, because we're going to focus on small groups of characters and, uh, that's, you're right. Maybe there'll be a small group for that reason. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, that's that. Welcome back, Walking Dead. Uh, that was episode 17. We got five more weeks to go before the uh, the season 10 finally ends. Um, and normally what we do, of course, is a recap on a Tuesday night and a feedback podcast from your listener feedback on Thursday nights. Now, I haven't received a ton of feedback so far, Jason, and there are probably a number of reasons for that. Uh, the main one simply being that not as many people watch the show, not as many people listen to the podcast and only a very small percentage of the people that do listen to the podcast actually send in emails and voice messages and stuff like that. So we are going to do our best to have a listener feedback show on Thursday, but we may have to reevaluate whether that is going to be a thing anymore going forward in the future because if there just isn't as much of it i'm bummed out because i think the feedback adds a lot to my appreciation of the show mm -hmm. um but if there's not enough of it it might not warrant a full extra podcast every week so we will see um that being the case though people over the next 48 hours <laughs> as we say this if you have some thoughts by all means send it in and uh, we will do our best to have a feedback show on thursday night later this week before we end here, I just wanted to take a second as well to thank someone who has supported the show. Maggie H edited her pledge on Patreon, increased it. Thank you so much, Maggie, for doing that. If you would like to become a patron of The Talking Dead, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge just like Maggie did. You can also simply make a contribution by hitting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to make a one-time contribution. Everything collected goes into the production and the hosting and all the costs associated with, um, with putting on the show. And we very, very much appreciate everyone who kicks in a tiny bit. If you want to help for no money at all, 
You can, of course, leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or other platforms. That is also a great way to help out and get the word out there, especially right now when Walking Dead is top of mind because it's back. Uh, you know, a little extra a little extra push there on those on the Apple Podcasts helps us uh, in the rankings. And who knows, maybe they'll even get us on that new and noteworthy list, which is fun. Cool. So thanks everyone for doing that. All right. So speaking of feedback, uh, if you want to get in touch, you can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead. I can bring some comments in from there. You can also visit our website, click on send voicemail at the top and record a message that will come right into us. That is the, my favorite way of getting comments from people, actual audio. You can also, of course, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So keep your eyes out for that feedback show later this week. And until then, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.